So page 737 of the Church Bibles, Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars the myrtle will grow. This will be the Lord's renown for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Hello everyone, I'm Jamie. Thanks Cynthia. How's everyone doing? All right, that's good. Uh, Let me ask you, have you ever worked really hard on something uh, only to get to the other side and just look back and wonder, what was I thinking? Um, Let me tell you about uh, me in year six. Uh, In year six, my life's work uh, was Pokemon cards. Uh, Don't know, has anyone else gone through a Pokemon craze? Yes, yes, good times. Um, I was absolutely determined to collect a holographic Charizard. Uh, This card was it. 120 hit points. That's pretty powerful. Uh, Fire spin attack. 100 100 damage. It's very rare as well. So I was absolutely fixated on getting holographic Charizard. uh, And I got one. Uh, I worked really hard. I bought lots of cards. I traded lots of my other cards with a friend. Uh, And I was so focused on getting it that it really just wasn't fun anymore. I just had to have it. Uh, Anyway, I got it. I traded my cards in. And I remember the day kind of strangely well. Uh, It was kind of like waking up from a dream. Uh, I had this card in my hand. And I thought, what have I been doing? Um, I've been building this card up in my mind uh, for so long. And it's really not that fun having this card. 
Um, so I packed my cards into a box, uh, which is still in a cupboard at mum and dad's house now, I think, unless they've chucked it out. It's probably worth something now, but I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we can look back at things like that, which is all good fun, uh, and, and laugh at things like that, um, but we do it all the time, don't we? Um, you know, years of uh, work at a job, investing, uh, only to be made redundant out of nowhere. What happened to all that time? Uh, that relationship that you invest everything in, uh, only to come out the other side heartbroken. Uh, fun, work, relationships, money, all these things, uh, they promise big things, Uh, But so often we have that kind of Charizard experience uh, of waking up in our pursuit of them and thinking, what what am I doing? Um, The actor Jim Carrey, a very successful guy, uh, he puts it pretty well. He says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Uh, What do you think about that? Big claim. Uh, Why do we pour ourselves into these things that ultimately leave us disappointed? Well, that's exactly the question that God asks his people Israel through the prophet Isaiah uh, in this brilliant chapter. Uh, have a look at verse 2 with me. That's on page 737. Is that right? 737, verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Uh, God's people in Jerusalem once had it all. Uh, Under kings like David and Solomon, they were the capital of a great thriving nation. But as the generations went on, things just seemed to go downhill. Uh, And now about 800 years before Jesus, uh, Isaiah has really spent the first 39 chapters of his book outlining how the people of Jerusalem have ruined themselves. Uh, They've chased after silver and gold. They've attempted all sorts of deals with the nations around them rather than turning to God. Uh, They've got leaders who are just looking out for number one. Uh, These things that all promise big uh, have left Jerusalem in ruin. Uh, Your country is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Uh, That's from chapter 1. By the time we get to chapter 39, they've lost it all. They're going to exile in a foreign land. Uh, Some have given up on God completely. Some are holding on to their faith just. Uh, And I'm sure some didn't know what to think just waiting to see if God is going to act to help them. Uh, But despite all this mess of uh, disappointment and ruin that people have gotten themselves into, God promises comfort and restoration. God's vision for Jerusalem as a great city, uh, from which the knowledge of God will spread throughout the whole world, hasn't wavered. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Uh, If you've had enough of this yourself, Uh, This chapter is for you, because God calls his people to a wonderful alternative, uh, to a whole universe made new. Uh, So we're going to tackle this chapter in two halves this morning. Uh, The outline is in your leaflets, uh, if you find that helpful. Uh, We're going to look at God's invitation and his promise now, Uh, and then we're going to sing in the middle, and then we'll look at God's call and why we need to respond to it. So... No better invitation. Uh, Let's hear it. It's in verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Uh, It's like a golden ticket, a stunning invitation. Remember, he's speaking to this nation that has rejected him and gone after other things that promise big, who have really no right Uh, to presume on God's kindness to them. 
But where we might say, fine then, be like that, God says, come. Five times in the first three verses. And as with any invitation, God lets us know uh, what we can expect. Uh, It's the banquet to end all banquets. Uh, We were reminded a couple of weeks ago in Isaiah 40 uh, that this is the God uh, who sits enthroned above the earth uh, and that people are like grasshoppers to him. Uh, He's the God who created the stars, uh, who every night calls forth each one of them by name. This God invites tiny human beings like us to come and sit around the table with him. Uh, God isn't distant and uncaring. Uh, He's so far above and beyond anything um, of us. Uh, He's completely other to us, and yet he is a God of intimate relationship. Come, he says. Uh, What kind of cover charge can we expect uh, from a big uh, event like this? Well, it's there at the end of verse 1. Have a look. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. It's a free invite. Come, it's on me, says the God of the universe. Uh, When was the last time you had uh, a really satisfying meal uh, at a party or something like that? I always think of Christmas lunches gone by uh, at Nana and Papa's place. uh, And the years gone by, you know, uh, Papa brings out a nice bottle of wine. uh, All my favorite foods spread out on the table. uh, And, you know, by the early afternoon, you're just totally full, half asleep on the couch, uh, just content. Uh, Do you know that feeling? Uh, It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, But it reminds us, Uh, of what we all know to be true in life. Uh, Satisfaction in this world is kind of elusive, isn't it? It kind of just lasts for a little while uh, at best. There's always another appetite around the corner, another upgrade, a better grade, a more prestigious position, a better lifestyle just ahead, uh, promising that elusive feeling of contentment. Now, all these things are good, uh, and yet they don't ultimately give us that feeling that, that we yearn for. And so we live in a world of hangovers, detox, anxiety, uh, self-comparison, workaholism, and burnout as we chase after that elusive uh, contentment. Now the thing about you know, a good meal, I think the thing that makes a good meal great is the company, isn't it? Uh, you know, that's what I love about those Christmas lunches. Uh, everyone's together around the table. Uh, the conversation, the laughter is flowing. Let's hear again what God is inviting us to in verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. It's a banquet with our maker in right relationship with him and it's no ordinary all-you-can-eat buffet uh, with more appetites to follow. Uh, This is the richest of fare, uh, the very word of God. Listen to me and eat what is good, says God. Those other things that we strive for and those hints of contentment that we feel now only provide a shadow of the delight that God offers us when we listen to him. I don't know what you think of the word of God. Uh, Often we can kind of think it's just a dusty old book, a set of rules. Uh, But God tells us uh, his word is a person who came to bring lost people to this great banquet that he invites us to. Uh, In an episode uh, of his life recorded in John 6, 800 years after all this in Isaiah, Jesus feeds a crowd of 5,000 with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. He demonstrates that kind of creative power that can only mean one thing. Uh, He is the God of Isaiah 55. Uh, And he uses this power to provide 
a feast for hungry people. And John records that everyone ate as much as they wanted, and they even had 12 baskets full of leftovers. The people were satisfied. And yet, the next day, uh, they're back. They're back for more. Uh, Maybe they think following Jesus means a constant full belly, uh, an easy life. Uh, But Jesus sees through their pretenses and he says, You're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Uh, Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Uh, Can you hear his frustration though? Uh, You guys have missed the point. Uh, It's not about the bread. Uh, It's about knowing me. And if you can't see past those things that promise big and deliver little, maybe just for a little while, like bread, uh, you're lost. You're going to miss real life. You're going to miss knowing me. Uh, Satisfaction in this world is elusive. And Jesus says, uh, don't look for it in a full belly. Come to me and see who I really am. And then you'll find it. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Come to me, believe in me, and never be thirsty again. Now, he's not saying if you become a Christian that you never need to eat again or that life is always going to be happy and you'll never go through tough times. Not at all. Uh, But he's talking about that deep satisfaction of that deep hunger that we have for something more, something bigger than ourselves, bigger than just this life and all its struggles. He's speaking of eternal life. Uh, Now, I told you about my holographic Charizard before, and I've got to confess, I haven't grown up uh, as much as I'd like to think, uh, because I've done it again, Uh, actually a bunch of times, Uh, not so much with trading cards, but I'll give you an example. Uh, A few years ago, I I got to live a childhood dream. Uh, I got to play at the Big Day Out, the music festival, uh, in a band that I was in at the time, Uh, and it was great. But afterwards, it was kind of a funny thing. I thought, you know, this is it. I've made it, you know. I get to tick off the dream and be happy forever. Um, But if anything, the whole experience actually made me feel more anxious and more pressured about my musical aspirations than I ever had before. Uh, Really, music became a lot less fun for me for a little while after that. Uh, It was like Charizard all over again. Uh, Do you know that kind of feeling? Come to me, believe in me, and really live, says Jesus. Coming back to Isaiah 55, did you notice who the invitation is for? Right at the start of verse 1 again. Come, all you who are thirsty. That is, anyone who wants to come. For anyone who's yearning. Like the moral, well-read teacher by the name of Nicodemus, who came and sought Jesus out by night. In John 3, because he knew there had to be more, that, more to life than religious rituals and rules. Or the irreligious woman with a reputation in John 4, uh, who met Jesus, and unlike the rest of the people around her who had rejected her, Jesus spoke to her. He offered her the living water of eternal life. The invitation is for thirsty people uh, who know that getting rich and famous and doing everything you ever dreamed of isn't enough. I've got to ask, is this you today? Are you tired of laboring? Do you have that sneaking suspicion that health, wealth, comfort and success might not really give you life, not real life anyway? 
God says to you, come to the waters. Come to the banquet with me. Come to Jesus, believe in Jesus, and know the satisfaction that he alone offers, the banquet of eternal life. Nothing compares to listening to these words, to listening to God from the Bible that leads us to Jesus. But if you've been Christian for a while, you know how scarily easy it is to get distracted by a bunch of other urgent but unimportant things and end up spoiling our appetites for the word of God. It's easy, isn't it? Let's be reminded, come, you thirsty, listen to me and eat what is good. Listen that you may live. And come, you who have no money. You know those great get-togethers that we enjoy now, like my Christmas memories? Uh, You can't buy your way into those things, can you? Uh, They happen because of the relationships that you're in. Uh, It's the same with us and God. We can't buy our way in. Uh, It's all about our Heavenly Father uh, and his love and generosity towards us, his people. The invitation is for anyone who recognizes that if I'm going to face up to the God of the universe, uh, I have nothing to bring. Uh, And if we're honest, isn't that true uh, of all of us? It costs nothing to come. Uh, We couldn't bring anything to the table anyway. And yet it costs everything in a way too. Coming to Jesus, admitting uh, that we have nothing to bring and giving our whole selves to him. But God covers the cost, doesn't he? God covers the cost, not us. Which leads us to point two, no surer promise. Uh, now, all of this stuff about you know, being satisfied by God, uh, it sounds great, doesn't it? Uh, but is it for real? Uh, does it really work? Uh, is it true uh, when disaster hits and you can't help but think, where is God? Or when you're living in limbo land, waiting for the right job or uh, that right relationship, and you don't really know what's next. How can we be confident then that listening to God really is the way to satisfaction. Or when you're living in guilt, feeling like you keep getting it wrong with God, and you wonder, does he really mean come free? For big decisions, for things that require lots of trust, uh, we need a guarantor, don't we? Uh, Someone to ensure that the person making the promise will do it. Uh, Well, God speaks to our doubts and our questions uh, in verses 3 to 5. Have a look with me at the second half of verse 3. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. On what basis can we come freely to God? It's on the basis of his covenant. God reminds his people of real promises he made to a real person, King David, in real history. You can read about it in 2 Samuel 7. Let me read a little bit of what God said to David for you now. He says, Now I'll make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. And here in Isaiah 55, God assures his people, I haven't forgotten these promises. Despite all the pain and uncertainty you live in now, you can be sure that it's leading to me coming good on them. Well, where can we look to see proof of this? Uh, Who is the guarantor? Well, to an extent, God's people then could look uh, to history, to King David, because he really was 
a great conquering king, a witness to many people. And his line did continue as God had promised. But all of that was leading to the person who can give us complete confidence in God's promises, Jesus. God's witness and testimony in history. The son of David, born in the line of the king. The son of God who demonstrated the kind of power that only God has. And most significantly, uh, he's the only person in history who death couldn't hold down. He's the only one qualified to reign as king forever, as God promised. He's the one who can feel God's everlasting covenant. Remember God's promise to David. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Uh, If you're investigating Christianity and the claims of the Bible at the moment, uh, this is one of the things that I think makes it so compelling and so unique uh, compared uh, to the religions of the world. The way that the Bible, written over centuries and centuries by lots of different people, lines up with itself. The way God says he'll do something, and then he does it in history. This is no cheap promise. Covenants in the Old Testament uh, were always sealed in blood. And this everlasting covenant is no exception. Uh, It's forged in the blood of Jesus, who went to the cross. That's faithful love, isn't it? He's the head of the table at this banquet of eternal satisfaction. He is why we can come confidently. And he's why we must come confidently. Uh, Next Sunday night, uh, Santane is declaring her faith at TBE. Uh, Great way to start our time in this new excellent venue. Uh, She's got a great story to share. Um, At a real low point uh, in life uh, for her, she accepted God's invitation to come to him. And something that I've been really encouraged by from chatting to Santana over the last few weeks uh, is just the obvious joy and contentment uh, that she has in knowing Jesus. Uh, Life has been really tough for her in lots of ways, uh, and yet she's a friend and follower of the living king of the universe. Uh, So yeah, please do come and uh, support her and check out the new place next week. Um, But I'd love for us to hear those opening words of God's great invitation to us again. And I reckon, just to mix it up, we should hear it from one another. So, words are on the screen of the first few verses. Maybe what we could do is the first slide, do you guys want to read it out? And then the second one, you guys, and the third one, you guys, so we can hear uh, God's invitation from one another. Uh, So here we go. Ready? Come. All you who are thirsty, have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. You guys, why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. You guys, give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. Uh, Are you hearing what God is saying to you this morning? Uh, Because of the cross of Jesus, we can have every confidence uh, that God is for real about this invitation. He's really covered the cost uh, for thirsty, poor sinners like us to come into relationship with him. Uh, In the midst of whatever pain and doubts that life will bring, we can cling uh, to this promise. And we're going to sing about that confidence now. So please stand, um, half-time sing. Let's do it live and because of his promises his faithful promises fulfilled at the cross 
Uh, anyone can come to him freely and confidently. But Isaiah doesn't leave it there, uh, so either will we. Isaiah urges people then and now to respond. Uh, now, say what you will about Facebook. Uh, I don't know who's on Facebook here. I know I'm friends with a lot of you guys. Yeah, uh, Facebook is good at reflecting back at us what we are thinking and what we like. Uh, it's creepily good at that. I don't know the ads that you see and things like that. Anyway, uh, but if you've been on Facebook for a while, um, you will have noticed how they've changed event invites over the years. Uh, so initially, I think it was just accept or decline when someone invited you to something. And then they changed it to yes, no, or maybe. And now it's different again. It's yes, no, or Interested, yeah, interested. The good people at Facebook know that we are fickle creatures. Uh, we like to hedge our bets and wait for a better offer, uh, but we like to do it politely. You know, we're interested, we, you know. Uh, and God knew this about us way before Facebook, uh, which is why we have Isaiah 55, 6 to 12. Uh, he urges his people, he pleads with them, not just to be interested, but to accept his invitation now. Uh, and he gives us at least four reasons to come now. Uh, we're going to look at four today. The first one uh, is that he's, he's near now. Uh, verses 6 to 7. Uh, have a look with me. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon the first reason really is a confronting wake-up call uh, for the complacent. God is near now, but his offer of mercy and pardon will not always be open. So seek him now. Uh, do you have uh, any of those friends, one of those friends maybe who drives you nuts uh, because you, know, you invite them to things and you never really know if they're in or they're out? Uh, they're always hedging their bet- bets. Now you don't have to answer that question out loud. Maybe they're here today. Uh, <laughs> You know, a couple of my best mates are like that, and probably I've been that guy a few times as well. Um, But some of my best friends are like that. Uh, And it's tough because, you know, I love them. I want to see them. Uh, But it can be so frustrating trying to get us all in the same place to commit to be the same place at the same time. Uh, You know that feeling? Uh, Imagine how God feels, the God of the universe, watching human beings hedging their bets on him after all he's done for them. The urgency, the pain of that patient love. Seek the Lord while he may be found. God has set a day where he will judge every human being, where all wickedness, all unrighteousness will be brought to account. On that day, it will be painfully obvious that we really have nothing to bring uh, to the table before God. And none of us knows when this will be. Uh, If we're honest with ourselves, none of us really has any idea how long we've got left. But we do know That the king has come. Jesus has come into the world saying, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So the best and most reasonable thing uh, that we can do is to call on God while he is near. To accept his great free invitation. It is a confronting wake-up call, isn't it? It involves being brutally honest uh, with ourselves and admitting uh, that we haven't lived up to God's standards. But it's such a comforting call. Uh, If you're convinced that you need to accept God's invitation today, be assured God guarantees that he will have mercy on any sinner who turns to him. No matter what you've done, the way you've been living your life, the thoughts you've had, God knows it all and he says, turn to me. Uh, If you've been hedging your bets maybe, 
turning up to church, paying lip service to God while your heart's really somewhere else, the promise is the same. Turn to the Lord and he will pardon freely. Just like that, your whole record wiped clean. Not because you've done anything to deserve it, but because God is merciful and he's called you to come to his table. Now, I'm not saying this because I like putting pressure on people. I really don't. But this is what God says to us. Seek me so that I can welcome you in. He's pleading with us. Seek me now. Which leads us to reason two. And things get even more personal uh, in verse seven. Because you'll notice that it goes from third person, seek the Lord, uh, to first person, God himself speaking to us. Uh, Let's look at verse eight and nine. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways Uh, Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. My ways are so much higher than yours, says God, so much better, so much more compassionate. If you want evidence of this, just look at the cross of Jesus. What do human beings say when the Son of God comes in the flesh to this world? Uh, In our self-seeking quest for security, we say, crucify him threatened by his claim to authority. That's our way. What's God's way? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. We cry murder, he cries forgive, as he forges God's covenant in his blood. If you're loaded up with guilt today, if you have secrets that you hope nobody finds out, broken beyond repair, hear this from God. My ways are higher than your ways. You might see yourself as too far gone, Uh, But I don't. Just look at the cross. This is our God. There's a humbling sting in these words, though, isn't there? For those of us who like doing things my way. uh, Look at all I've done, says God. My ways are higher than yours. We cry murder. He cries forgive. How can we resist but to leave our self-seeking insecure ways and come to him for grace? The third reason to listen to God's call and turn to him, is that his life-giving word is always effective. And we thought about this a bit already. Uh, Verses 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Uh, Can you hear what God is saying to you? Just like the rain waters the earth and the sour sobs come up, my word won't come back to me without doing what it's meant to do, says God. I don't know, have you ever poured your heart out to someone, uh, said everything that's on your mind? You've had that conversation, you've written a letter maybe, a message, uh, and it's come back to you empty, brushed aside, no reply maybe. Maybe that job interview where you've said everything right, uh, but they decide to go another way. In his son, God has spoken perfectly. He's poured out his heart for all to see. And God is absolutely gutted when human beings reject his plea to come to him. But his word will not come back to him empty. Heaven will be full. Uh, When the cross is near, just days away, Jesus tells uh, a story. And fittingly, it's about a king's wedding feast. The banquet is ready. All that's left is for the invited guests to come. So the word goes out, come to the banquet, come to God's eternal table. And the responses start to come back. Ah, sorry, just bought a holiday house. 
Much work to be done. Apologies. Uh, I've just gotten married. Uh, it's kind of just about us at the moment. Uh, sorry. Uh, I've just started a business and it's really taking off. I'm living the dream. I won't be able to make it. Sorry. How do you think this all sounds to the king of the banquet? Well, here's what he says as Jesus continues the story. Those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And the servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. The word is going out and heaven will be full. Uh, Will you be a part of God's banquet? Uh, Rick Ford was telling me last week, actually, uh, that he became a Christian as he heard Billy Graham preaching on this passage. Is that right? Wired in through a little speaker in a little church back in 1959. Is that right? Ask Rick more about the story, see if I've got it right. Um, At the end of the talk, as Billy Graham always did, there was a call to come up to the front of the room if you wanted to put your trust in Jesus. Uh, And Rick was telling me last week that he didn't know heaps about the Bible at that stage, but he felt physically compelled to go up. When God calls you to come to him, uh, it's irresistible. Uh, My story uh, is a fair bit different to Rick's in a lot of ways. Uh, I can't remember a particular one time when uh, I felt intensely compelled uh, to put my trust in Jesus there and then. Uh, It was about 10 years ago now, and it really was a process of a lot of questioning and thinking and slowly learning things and wrestling with the Bible. Uh, And for me at that point, I was beginning to see that my friendship group at school and being good at music couldn't always make life worth living. And so as I came to see the reality of God's forgiveness for me um, at the cross, I gradually realized that I couldn't walk away. Much like Rick, I couldn't walk away. Becoming a Christian wasn't a convenient choice. Uh, It's not really the coolest thing to say, you know, when you're in high school and you say, I'm a Christian. Um, I still had questions, but I knew this. Jesus was true and beautiful, and I had to follow him. God's word is true and powerful. It won't return to him empty. He urges us. Come to me now. Uh, If you're struggling to trust in God's word at the moment, maybe life is full of pain and you're wondering where God is. Uh, Maybe you've been trying to share the gospel with someone and you're just finding it so hard. Uh, Remember these words. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and don't return to it without watering the earth, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. This beautiful picture of renewal, of the world flourishing back into life, continues uh, in verses 12 and 13 as we come to our fourth and final reason uh, to come to God now. Following the conquering king, Jesus, is a joy. Uh, It's being a part of the world, being made new by God. And I thought again, it would be good to hear these words from one another again. So as a big group now, let's read out verses 12 and 13 together. Ready? You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. And all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown. For an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Such a beautiful picture of life made new. Uh, Let me tell you about Tom. Uh, Tom was a good kid, a smart kid, 
Uh, he grew up going to church with his parents, and he didn't mind. He didn't mind going. Um, but when he got to high school, he did start to wonder a bit about it all. Uh, his parents were always talking around the dinner table about giving money to missionaries and going to church camps and things like that. And, you know, with everything else going on in his life, he just thought, like, why? It doesn't look like much fun. And when he was 16, his dad actually cut back to starting working part-time so that he could do more for their church. Now, going to church was one thing on a Sunday, but this seemed a little bit silly uh, to Tom, and he wondered, like, how had his dad got, gotten sucked into this, all his free time, going. A couple of years later, uh, Tom was one of the top law students in his year, uh, and he'd stopped going to church uh, for a while now because he was just really busy with studies and, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, one day, his classmates uh, were sitting around talking, uh, and they were kind of talking about one of the Christian students uh, in their year and having a bit of a go uh, at them because they were so keen about being Christian and always talking about it. And, you know, and Tom realized that he'd really, he'd really moved on. Uh, he was actually a lot better off now, working towards a life that his parents really never seemed capable uh, of living. Christianity, as he looked back on it, seemed to kind of just be a crutch that robbed people uh, of their time and money. A couple of years later, uh, Tom uh, is a practicing lawyer, uh, and he'd actually been offered a job at the first place that he interned at. Uh, the people there just saw something in him, and everyone was talking about how he was going places, uh, one of the best um, lawyers they'd seen. Uh, he was working long weeks, but you know that's just kind of part of paying your dues as a, long, as a young lawyer. Uh, one night, after a, you know, a fair while between dinners, uh, he caught up with his parents, uh, and they shared that they were really worried about how tired he looked uh, and was he sure this is what he wanted. And he kind of he shrugged them off. Uh, this is just what it takes to get where I want to go. Um, you might not get it, but this is what I want to do. I'm fine. And then kind of out of the blue, his dad said uh, he was really sad that he wasn't going to church anymore and he really wishes that he would see how much God loves him and what he's missing out on. Uh, that made Tom mad. Uh, his dad said he prayed for him. That made him even madder. Um, but he bit his tongue. He's a good son, good kid. Uh, but in the car on the way home, uh, he felt tears coming to his eyes because mum and dad had struck a chord. Uh, life was nothing like he had hoped it would be. He had never been more lonely or exhausted and he couldn't tell anyone. That weekend, he visited a church for the first time in ages he wasn't really sure what he expected to find. What he did notice, though, uh, there was a bunch of young people there that seemed to have something that he didn't have, some kind of joy. Uh, they were really friendly. They weren't competitive with each other like he was used to. Um, they were really friendly. So he came back. He came back the next week. And so it went on. About a year later, Tom told his parents that he'd become a Christian. I had to swallow his pride to tell him that. But in the first, uh, last few months, he'd been seeing things in the Bible that he'd never noticed. Uh, he'd heard of Jesus, the Son of God, who gave it all up and humbled himself to death on a cross for him. Uh, and he got that this is what he really needed. Uh, so he accepted the invitation. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake 
their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Uh, If you want to know this joy for yourself, uh, maybe to begin to taste the eternal banquet today, uh, there's a prayer that we're going to pray uh, that's going to be up on the screen to help you express that. Uh, There's really nothing magical about the words, uh, but they are powerful because uh, it's a chance to respond to God, uh, to accept his invitation to spiritually thirsty, poor sinners like us. Uh, So we're going to pray this prayer together. And for some of us, it's going to be an opportunity to remember uh, when you first accepted God's invitation and to be thankful. Uh, Maybe today you're not in a place uh, where you want to be saying a prayer like this. Uh, Please do keep exploring things. And you might have questions. Please come and chat to me or John or Colin or somebody. Um, That would be great. But for others, today might be the first time that you've prayed a prayer like this uh, and really meant it. Uh, So we're going to pray together now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your ways are not my ways. I acknowledge that I need your mercy. You know my thoughts and my ways better than I do. Please forgive me for seeking to find life and satisfaction in things other than you. Thank you that you offer pardon freely. Thank you that while I was undeserving, you sent your son Jesus to die to bring me back to you and to open the way to eternal life. Help me to know the joy of following the risen King, Jesus, as I look forward to eternal life with you. Amen. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. To our God, for he will freely pardon. Uh, If you pray this prayer to God today, be assured that you are pardoned. Uh, If you prayed it for the first time, please... uh, Come and chat to me afterwards or chat to someone and let someone know. Uh, We're going to now celebrate communion together, uh, which is a way of remembering, celebrating, proclaiming Jesus' death for us, which makes us right with God. Uh, Again, this might not be something you've done before, um, but it's a chance to respond to God from the heart, uh, whether it's the first time or the millionth time. Uh, We're going to share some bread and juice as part of that, and there's really nothing magical about that. Again, the powerful thing is the faith that we express in Jesus' death as we do that. Uh, So if you're trusting in Jesus, please take part. Uh, If that's not where you're at, uh, please don't feel pressured to take the bread and the juice. Uh, Be where you're at and reflect on what we've talked about so far. Okay. We thank you, Father, that on the night before Jesus died, he took bread, and when he'd given you thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the meal, he took the cup, and again giving you thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The covenant of love forged in the blood of Jesus. Let's pray together. Therefore, Father, we thank you for these gifts of bread and wine. And pray that we who eat and drink them, believing our Saviour's word, may share in eternal life. 